So we're going to take, I've had several questions, and I even have a couple of my own that have been storing up. So we're going to take a fresh look at, at the Holy Spirit. Here's a passage of Scripture I kind of wanted to jump off on. It's in John chapter 14. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see Him or know Him, but you know Him because He abides with you and will be in you. And when I put the little subtitle up there, taking a closer look at our Helper, this verse came to mind. And uh, usually that's the other way around. But uh, there's a lot here. There's a lot associated here. And uh, I'm kind of... First of all, the Father, the Holy Spirit is a gift of the Father. So that's a big deal. The second, He's a helper. The Spirit is a helper. And that word can change a little depending on how it gets translated. But the, the core of all that is that. It's that He's here to help us. And be with you forever. That makes it a significant thing to think about right there because we're talking about an eternal relationship of some sort. So anyway, and... Uh, he abides with us and we will and will be with us and in us. And so I put out there a little thing on the foyer. Uh, hey, Joylanders, did you know that the Holy Spirit's in you and with you right now? And so I think that's kind of cool. Anyway, we're going to just go through some scriptures. And I literally mean uh, tonight is an introduction. So there's going to be room. I want you guys to come up to the mic and share any of the thoughts that you have, any of the questions you have anything along those lines, because uh, we got plenty of time to work our way through this. So here is, is just a series of scriptures that I want us to look at that I hope will set the stage for our look at a fresh look at the Holy Spirit without it being or beginning as a doctrinal look or a denominational look or a theological look. There's uh, something I, I'm going to, I think I'm going to ruin the quote. But uh, I believe this was James Torrance. I believe I heard this from Baxter Kruger. Uh, James Torrance was one of his teachers over in Scotland uh, in, when he was doing his doctrinal dissertation. And um, Torrance said something like this. He said, the great need in the church is not for better pneumatology. Pneumatology is the theological study of the Holy Spirit, the pneuma. So the, the great need in the church is not for a better theology, a better pneumatology, but to be filled with the Spirit. And I thought that was cool. It was, that's the essence. And uh, I'm conscious that I'm the kind of person who can get lost in the details and the theories and the doctrines and stuff. But uh, I don't live lost in them. I really try to live in relationships. So that's what we're going to be kind of guided by, a principle there. So here it is in, in Genesis in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light, and the rest of creation's story goes on. I don't know what that means. I mean, I know what the words mean. But I don't know what the Holy Spirit was actually doing. Uh, I know that the word means brooding or hovering or fluttering or something like that. I know that there's a relational aspect to that with creation, that in this primordial state of formlessness and voidness, the Holy Spirit played a role in that somehow. Uh, I know that 
it said that the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So the interaction between these things, and then you guys know from our study and our look at the gospel and stuff that Jesus is actually the one who, uh, through whom and by whom and for whom everything was made. So he played a role in this as well. I don't know what that is. I don't know whether he was the one that said or he was the one in part hovering. I mean, it's just there. But the point is, the Holy Spirit is not a Johnny-come-lately in the Scriptures. This is the first three verses of the Bible. So even though I call them four, it does that. When I copied it, it always goes to the next thing. Sorry. Oh, everything cool? All right. In Exodus, now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all kinds of craftsmanship to make artistic design for the works in gold and silver and bronze and in the cutting of stones for setting and in the carving of wood that he may work in all kinds of craftsmanship. This is uh, one of the gentlemen that was intimately involved in crafting the elements of the tabernacle. So the first one, you can say that God was... uh, intimately involved, a direct part of creation. I mean, the Holy Spirit was, and now the Holy Spirit is a direct part in the making of the tabernacle. Yeah, through a man. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so here's in Luke. Uh, The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. So, again... I'm not trying to exegete these things this morning. I'm just saying, here's three pretty significant introductions. The introduction of creation into existence. The introduction of the tabernacle to begin the precursors of God's relationship with humanity. And the very incarnation of the Son Himself, in which the Holy Spirit played a central, creative, pivotal role. Yes, sir. Going back to the other verse uh, with Moses, uh, it seems like he had um, the, the spirit that came upon him is kind of like what we see in the old, in the New Testament as far as a prophetic pro- prophecy, a, a pro- prophet. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because I don't see, I don't know if anybody else had, well, he just had some revelation building the temple and all that yeah. other stuff. Yeah. It just seemed like it's a, uh, a, a deeper walk. Yeah, it would be interesting. And then it says face-to-face with, with Moses, Absolutely, too. yeah. yeah. It would be interesting to try to get in and, and discern some of the role the Holy Spirit played. Or even if it would be appropriate to call getting Moses getting the images to the temple prophetic. Uh, I, I would think it very possibly could be. I don't know. You know, Sometimes we have a real narrow definition of something that, that could be a little bit broader. Yeah. I think this is one of my favorite verses in Scripture. Because it's like 
the first time the Holy Spirit is ever recorded as helping man. It's a blue-collar worker getting his job done. Absolutely, and yeah. I think that's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. And it involves some things that are not normally valued as much as we would think. Art, beauty, uh, just all kinds of stuff. Skill, you know. I mean, stone cutting. I used to do some stone cutting in a business that I had. And that's... That's heavy, dirty work, you know, to think that the Holy Spirit's involved right in the middle of that. I felt like it was in my work, too. Yeah. And uh, this is also one of my favorite verses <laughs> since the Lord saved me in 1978. Uh, like whenever, uh, whether in school or college, you know, when I needed some help, I said, God, you, you did that for Bezalel. And, um, you know, right now and I got this idea for, like Moses got the idea for the tabernacle. I got this idea for an electric car that mm-hmm. can go more than... 2,813 miles per charge. And uh, I, I got that idea in an instant, but then I've been praying that the Lord will bring a Bezalel mm-hmm. to help me. They could work you know, the like, physical aspects yeah, of it. Yeah, the, 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 the physical aspects of it. So I got the idea. Now I know it, it mm-hmm. works to be confirmed so many times in the, the last few weeks. And now I say, God, bring the Bezalels who can execute that vision that you, like you gave Moses. And then the the details of it was worked out through Bezalel. So I, you know, mm-hmm. it's yeah. amazing. No, that's good. That's good. That's good. It's kind of a precursor too to the body being being valuable, you know, because there's a lot of people working on. I think this is amazing. I sure don't begrudge Mary asking how's this going to be. And so, uh, th- there's a couple things that I see out of this. One. There was an angel there carrying a message from God, but the Holy Spirit's role was way more significant than that. The Holy Spirit was actually going to be imparting life and life that God claimed as his own son. You know, when it says down there, and like I said, I'm not going to try to exegete these tonight. I haven't tried to exegete them. I will, and we're going to dig in a bunch. There's a bunch of scriptures, obviously, about the Holy Spirit. Obviously, the whole book of Acts has a lot of stuff. And then there's a lot of the stuff that doctrinal views have been taken out of in some of the epistles and so on. But um, I just thought this is just powerful. And again, I'm, hope, I'm, I'm not, I don't mind us having expanded theological views of the Holy Spirit, but I would rather we come out of this effort full of the Holy Spirit, experiencing the Holy Spirit, walking in the love and the care and the power of the Holy Spirit in ways that we're not. I had a conversation with somebody that uh, just confessed to me, and, and I, I totally get this, it's not a, I understand it, but how easy it is to just let engaging with the Holy Spirit slip away from you. Um, you know, uh, I think all of us probably in this room have, have had times where there was more going on, there was more excitement, there was more prophetic stuff going on. Uh, we'd seen some people healed and got going with that, or whatever the case is. And, um, so I'm hoping that, that the reason we're looking at this is, is to re-engage if there's any disengagement in our lives or any passivity or anything along those lines. Because there's a bunch of good stuff that, obviously, I mean, uh, every time something big happens, the Holy Spirit seems to be in the middle of it. <laughs> so how about this one? Uh, a very present part in the ministry of Jesus. Now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized And while he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came out of heaven, you are my beloved son, and in you I am well pleased. So uh, again, I don't think it can be overstated the significance of the Holy Spirit's role in not just the incarnation of Jesus, 
within the ministry that began to emerge out of that. And I put another one up out of Matthew, and for a particular reason, this is a little bit of a, not an exegesis so much, but just a little bit of a point. After being baptized, it's the same story uh, told in Matthew. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. I think it's pretty obvious that this is the same story told by two different writers. Uh, But the part I want to point out to you is that one is called the Spirit of God, and one is is called the uh, Holy Spirit. And I had an encounter not a long time ago where somebody was trying to press me on the issue that the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit were two different things. And uh, uh, we'll explore that. Uh, no, it was not. <laughs> that was not a fate. No, it's not anything Jen and I have talked about. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you didn't really have to say that, by the way. Oh, Ronnie was. Oh, sorry. I should have known it was you, Ronnie. Anyway, um, you know, I, I'm all for digging into detail, uh, and we will do that as we go on. But we're just talking here about the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. But there's some interesting questions that that raises. So anyway, how significant is this? Um, There's another place that that talks about the anointing of Jesus as being an anointing where the Spirit descended on him and remained. And then the definition of what that can do or the images of what that can do uh, were repeated again in the book of Acts after the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and people were um, manifesting a kind of power of the Spirit in, in their encounters with the people around them and the government and so on and so forth. And it's just so easy for us to get, I think, detached from that, especially in the, the world we live in, you know, with a lot of other distracting sort of things. But anyway, uh, what would the ministry of Jesus have been like? See, it's a foolish question to ask. I don't know. I, there's no way. Uh, it, it, it wouldn't have been the ministry of Jesus. It wouldn't have been what went on in the Gospels without the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Holy Spirit also became, as you might have suspected I was going, uh, a direct part in the creation of the church. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, uh, Vic and I had a, a conversation in, the, in light of some of the various questions that have been coming up and so on. Uh, we had a conversation, and you know, a little bit before this incident, uh, in John chapter 20, I think it is, or is it 18? 20, 17, 18, 20, I'm not sure. I think it's 18. Anyhow, Jesus encountered his disciples, and there's a spot there that says where he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so... I came up uh, in part in my church history through a Pentecostal church, uh, Somebody's of God, background where we focused on just one single look at, one interpretation of the events of Pentecost. And it was very difficult for us to see it spread out and thought of in any different way. So that's something that I hope we can look at over the course of the next few weeks is what, um, you know, what, what's the Holy Spirit doing at Pentecost? What was God doing at Pentecost? what uh, was happening in subsequent encounters with various people, and how does that set uh, our expectations for today or our patterns for today. And uh, 
So there, there's some good stuff to look at there. All of us have thoughts about that. All of us have doctrines, I'm sure. <clears throat> yes, sir. I'd like to go back to the last. Okay. Uh, the it, This has always puzzled me. Um, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. And then it talks about him through the baptism. It seemed like he's receiving the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he's conceived by the Holy Spirit, to me that would be already the Holy Spirit's there already. I just don't the the uh, the this part is not clear to me. Okay, cool. Okay, we'll go with Mike. These are the kind of questions I'm actually writing them down because <laughs> we're going to dig into them. Here, all you got to do is pull it. It bends. Oh, 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 it bends. There you go. Okay. Or grow taller, whichever is easier. Okay. I would I would go with the bending. Okay. Yeah, that'd be a miracle of a grow taller. That'd be cool though. Yeah, I know. Yay! But anyway, um, to address your um, question is, um, you are right. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, but it was a public acknowledgement. It's like the father pointing the finger. This is the Lamb of God. You know, you are the Son of God. I mean, he knew that he knew, you know what I mean? But it's, it's let the people know. Yeah. It, was, there, was there another receiving of the Holy Spirit? Was there, another, was there something else that happened with the Holy Spirit entering into him? Was the Spirit already there? So here's, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a sense that his, you know, like you said, you know, in, in the book says that um, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwelt him, yeah. like indwelt his cousin, John the Baptist. But it's kind of like a public, a, a public acknowledgement. Well, here, here's an interesting question that could come from that. This is a good, good, good response. Uh, we find a similar situation happen, happening in, uh, in the book of Acts. And I just mentioned the one where Jesus breathed on his disciples, a small group of them. They received, or he said received. I don't know, maybe, maybe they didn't. I don't know. I had to look at it. But then there was clearly a reception of something that transformed the ones in the upper room. And then beyond that, there was other times, uh, not very long after that, during the, the first message after the healing of the lame man and so on and so forth, where the Holy Spirit filled them. So there's a multiple filling kind of thing. And the truth is, those kind of things are interpreted very differently theologically and doctrinally. And that's one of the things I want to look at is because, you know, we have a lot of freedom here to think, and you don't all have to agree with me, and I don't have to agree with you. That's totally fine. This isn't something we've all got to, you know, march and lockstep on. However, it probably is good, and it'll kind of test our mettle a little bit to see if we can, to see if we can think through these things and understand them. Uh, the one thing that I have kind of abandoned that was a part of my theological training as an Assemblies of God pastor is, is a predisposition to the fact that the important connection with the Holy Spirit was the initial baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then it didn't, there wasn't anything to add to that after the fact. Now, I wouldn't say that every Assemblies of God pastor or person believes that, but, you know, we've talked a lot about meta narrative. And so some of the assumed things we made is that before that happens, you're in one way. After that happens, you're in a different way. And you qualify for a whole different kind of recognition. And I'm not sure that that holds up to the Scripture, quite frankly. Um, and I also think that it's not just because we've dumbed it down a little bit as you go on in life, but because we didn't realize 
how intimate a relationship the Holy Spirit would facilitate with God. And so that's what I want to look at. Yes, Ronnie. You may be covering this soon. Okay. But in the Old Covenant, um, David was anointed by Samuel uh-huh. with oil. Mm-hmm. That seems to represent, at least my meta narrative is that represents the Holy Spirit. And that later in Psalms, he asked God to not take the Holy Spirit from him. Yeah. So it's like my meta narrative from all that seems to be that in Old Covenant times, maybe not everybody had Holy Spirit and certain people had it, but maybe they were afraid that they might lose it. Yeah. And it could, it, that could be a, a, it's something we're definitely going to look at. I don't have an answer for that tonight, and I don't want to push too hard on an answer because I haven't thought about it. But it, it goes back a li- little bit, Richard, to what you said, which is, is there a difference between, I mean, like, what was the impact and relationship that was born out of being conceived by the Holy Spirit versus what was being, um, having the Holy Spirit descend upon him? And is this event in Jesus' life comparable to what happened to people on Pentecost? I don't know. We probably need to think it through. Look look at that. Um, Just a comment on his point about um, people in the Old Testament thinking they might lose the Holy Spirit. Well, I would think that King Saul is one of a great example of having lost the Holy Spirit. I mean, because he wasn't doing, he wasn't after God's heart like King David was. So that's what happened to him. And, And to address your issue about the Holy Spirit in filling us, I'm getting the sense that it's not a one-time thing. I think it's a, it's a, it's a continual basis because the Holy Spirit... So, see, here's... The, I, I agree with you. I, I mean, I personally think that as well. But here's where a hole in my thinking has been revealed, my thinking, is until, unless I think beyond that relationally, I don't know that I really understand the significance of that. In other words, if we can have multiple fillings, is that because we have power and run out? We used to think that way in assemblies, kind of. Uh, matter of fact, I, I remember teachings that the anointing with power, and that was all based on the fact, wait into Jerusalem until you receive power from on high, and that was the promise of the Father. But uh, we would we would sort of had a, an underlying thought that we're running out of power. I don't oh. know if it's that or if it's just uh, we're growing dull to a relationship. I, I think to address that point, because I thought of that a lot, and I think we're um, living this world, which is a um, sin-torn world, yeah. and all the daily things that we um, end up um, uh, having to put our attention on, uh-huh. that we kind of like... Um, Lose not, our focus. Right. Yeah. Not focus and not interacting with the Holy Spirit as much as we like to. Because like we got different um, um, distraction. The the responsibility of daily life, YouTube, you know. Yeah, you yeah. Know, party no, I think that's a good, that's, that's a, it's a yeah. good topic I want to yeah. look at. Party here, party there, and all that. Yeah. So, and you know that people would, in the old days would just go into the caves so they're not distracted and they come out full of the Holy Spirit because they want to focus on the Holy Spirit yeah. and interacting with Him. Then, then they're more, feel more. I think that's what happened. It's not that, you know, it's, how much attention we give to our interaction and our relationship with the Holy Spirit make it grow better. It's like husband and wife. You give more attention to each other. Whoa, the love just grows. <laughs> okay. Sterling. 
just thought it was intriguing, not that somehow God felt differently about Jesus before this occurred. Ooh, that's a good one. But that he didn't declare these words until after Holy Spirit did what Holy Spirit did. Mm -hmm. So there was a sequence there that I think could be important. Of Holy Spirit descending and then him saying what he said. See, there's there's another scripture that comes to mind. There's another scripture that comes to mind similar to that. In John chapter 7, Jesus is talking in there in the temple and he says, all you who are thirsty, uh, come to me and drink and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And then the, John adds a comment in the gospel. This he spoke of the Spirit who has not yet been poured out because Jesus has not been glorified. So the idea of things happening in, in the timeline, I, you know, this is one of the thoughts that I had that led to this was Dan's timeline. And I was trying, one of the things that I talked to Dan about is maybe we could add the day of Pentecost to that timeline as another significant point because it seems like there was something going on uh, after that and during that that wasn't going on before. And, and that can create confusion, you know, from a, like, what, why? Why would, did the father know Jesus was his son in the beginning? Yeah, I think so. But there was something going on as far as right. declaration, as far as authority. Also, another that, uh, that very issue is handled doctrinally among different schools of theology and, and particular denominations. There are some denominations that because of uh, their acceptance of certain gospels that others consider apocryphal gospels, that Jesus did a lot of miracles prior to the baptism and announcement. So there's all kinds of stories about him raising animals from the dead when he was little and doing miracles and things like that. And other people reject that idea because they have an emphasis on the importance of this moment that you're talking about. So it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about. Now, were there miracles before Jesus? Of course there were. There were miracles that were done all over the place. Was the Holy Spirit involved in those? We're going to look in some detail probably and see if, it, you know, if the Scripture points to that. Did I go back? Yes, I did. Okay. So here's Pentecost. Here's the other part of what I put up there as a direct part in the creation of the church. This is the Holy Spirit's presence with the Gentiles when Peter went to Cornelius' house. While Peter was still speaking in these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also for they were hearing them speak in the tongues and exalting God. So there is a direct reference that the Holy Spirit's involved, not just in the, in the formation of the church at Pentecost, but the continued expansion of the church through the Gentiles, um, you know, whatever it is, eight chapters later in, in Acts. Um, so again, Holy Spirit playing a pivotal role in creation, Holy Spirit playing a pivotal role in the formation of the tabernacle and the first sort of covenant relationships with God. Holy Spirit playing a pivotal role in the birth of Jesus. Holy Spirit playing a pivotal role in uh, the creation of the, not the birth of Jesus, oh, um, Jesus, the beginning of Jesus' ministry and of the church in all its forms. You look like you're going to start a race. <laughs> so what I see interesting in that part, it seems like Holy Spirit is being used to identify people, to set them apart. Yeah. And the concept of anointing, is from 
long time ago, setting something apart for a specific that's use. That's true. That's true. It's good. So look into that more. Somehow that's involved. Like I'd be, I'd be curious to start digging in to see in other places where anointing is the sort of point of the story, if if there's an indication that spirit is involved in that. So. And you know, uh, again, I'm not, I'm not going to let anybody lure me into exegesis today, but uh, <laughs> Christ, the, the the word Christ in the New Testament means the Anointed One, just like the word Messiah means the Anointed One, and uh, you can have a big debate about which one's a better word to use for Anointed. But the point is that the, the, that Jesus Christ, that's not his last name. You guys know that. It's, it's the fact that he's anointed. And uh, there is that passage of scripture, I don't, it doesn't come immediately to mind, who is anointed by the Spirit without measure. So I think you might really be on something, Sterling. We'll look into that for sure. Anointing and uh, see if those are, see where that shows up in relationships. That's good, Ronnie. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and it, it it was actually an evidentiary debate. That's kind of the unfortunate thing that in my Assemblies God background is a certain manifestation of tongues and stuff became the evidence of the Holy Spirit's presence. Uh, and and we'll talk about that in the series for sure. But uh, it, it, there was no doubt about it. I mean, they actually had church leadership level discussions on what this means. You know, anointing. Uh, Okay, I'm writing these things down. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit also is very involved in the creation of believers. In him, you also, after having listened to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now again, looking back to my Sermons of God days, we thought we had a good, solid definition of that that was very exclusive about this one issue and so on and so forth. I'm not sure it's that way. It's worth looking at better. But the reality here is that the Holy Spirit was also given as a marker for these uh, Ephesians believers. And when I think about us working through for the last couple of months our gospel meta-narrative and the, the, the flexibility we have in sharing the gospel, one of the goals of that was that I wanted us to explore sharing the good news of Jesus in a way that the Holy Spirit could say amen to and manifest. And I don't know that any of us have practiced enough since we've re-turned upside down our meta-narrative, but if you have, I'd certainly like to hear the story. But that is something that I believe, I believe the reality of this whole thing, that uh, after they heard the gospel of their salvation, after, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having heard it, they were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Um, that's pretty cool. You know, there's some other scriptures that will play into this as we look at it a little bit more. Paul met with the Ephesian elders on his way back to Jerusalem before he ended up uh, that last trip to Rome and everything. He met with those elders and he said, uh, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, we don't even know there is a Holy Spirit. And so there was a, something going on there in addition to what they had experienced when Apollos had passed through there and shared with them and so on. So here it is again. This is in 1 Corinthians Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So here's another one in one verse where 
we don't want to get our our uh, panties in a wad over whether it's the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit, because <laughs> it's just in the, in the same verse. <laughs> so in case anybody ever approaches you about that and wants to beat you into a corner, um, you can always remember this verse. Say which is which. Uh, but that wasn't really my main point. My main point in putting this verse in here is, what if it's true, what this says? And of course, everybody would go, well, of course it's true. It's in Bible. No, I mean, really, what if we believe it? What if we believe that it isn't possible for somebody to say, I've heard 100,000 excuses. Oh, well, a lot of people can say, Jesus, Lord, 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 didn't we do many, many, you know. Okay, fine. All I'm saying is, why is it say this? And why is the Holy Spirit given credit for putting words in our mouth? You remember in our little gospel meta-narrative, there was that one section uh, based on Romans 10 a little bit, where it says, there'll be belief in your heart and words in your mouth that when you confess them, it'll connect you with the life that God has for you. I think that this is really a very significant thing. I think it's a very significant thing. And I I would like us to study this in a little bit more depth. What role does the Holy Spirit play in the very act of someone believing, in the very act of someone confessing? And this, of course, is the scripture that's based from. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So the whole concept about what we what we were pursuing in rethinking the gospel narrative, and, and again, for those of you that didn't get here on the whole time on that or, or whatever, we're not talking about changing the gospel. We're talking about the story that undergirds how we think about the gospel and then how we talk about it, making sure that story is, is rooted in, in, a, in a broad context of Scripture that gives things their proper place. One of those things is the role of the Holy Spirit in that. So, anyway. Anything there? The the part I want to review a little bit is just, I chose these scriptures because I wanted us to go, okay, it's probably worth taking a fresh look at, at the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the identity of the Holy Spirit, because there was a lot of really important events that the Scripture says the Holy Spirit is right in the middle of. And we're fighting against our own... We're fighting against our own narratives. We're fighting against our own theology to look fresh at those things. So that's what the point of tonight is. Yeah, go ahead. I'm curious about the statement in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, where it says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. When it's Jesus is Lord, what do you, how do you define or uh, explain Lord? What is Lord? Is it Jesus is God? Okay. Or is it Jesus um, your master? Or he's a boss? So that will make a big difference, I think, right? Okay, so, yeah, maybe. That's a good question. I'm writing it down. Uh, how the definition of Lord... Are you sure? All right, get up here and give it. That's good. I'm just, I'm noting questions, right? Yeah. I promised you that this would be introduction. The first thing that come to mind 
when I read the scripture that Jesus is Lord, um, it says he's the ruler of all. You know, I mean, so that means he is God, but he's also our, our master. But you got to think of a relationship of love. You know what I mean? Like, if you love somebody, you would want to do what he wants you to do because you know he's looking after your best interests. But I also see Lord means the ruler of all things, of all creation, you know, not just us. So that what comes to mind. When okay. I is there a scripture that says, because it sounds like there is in my head, is there a scripture that says, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? That would be one worth looking at. Controller? Okay. Controller. Means controller in the Greek. Lord. Okay. All right. So, to prove what I said, now we're really out. So I'm ready to write down questions, thoughts. Also, it's an introduction to this. I would like it if some of you have had encounters with the Holy Spirit that you'd be willing to share. If you've been, uh, if you had a baptism of the Holy Spirit experience, you'd be willing to share. That'd be fine. We're not trying to uh, uh, one-up anybody. We're not trying to affirm any particular view on it right yet. We might come up with some, uh, but uh, you're welcome to share, and we would love to hear it. Yeah, no. And if it leads to a question, I'll write it down. Early on in my Christian experience, I um, I had a thought come to my head about a person that was part of the church I had just joined, mm-hmm. and they the people I didn't know all the words like word of knowledge or whatever those terms were. I just had this thought, so I went. Her name's Deborah, and I went over to Deborah and I told it to her, and she started crying, and I'm like, uh oh, what I do? Because I was new to this thing. And um, it turns out that she'd been asking God for confirmation about something, and what I said was that. So to me, that was the Holy Spirit speaking through me. That's cool. That's cool. You know, there, I, I read um, I read the whole book of Acts in preparation for this recently, and uh, I did a bunch of other uh, searches uh, with Holy Spirit or Spirit of God or Spirit of Christ or whatever. And there was a lot of times when in close proximity to that, it talks about the Spirit saying something. You know, the Spirit said, do this, or the Spirit said, go here, or the Spirit said, don't go here. So there's a whole communication element in relationship to the Spirit of God. And it's not, you know, the, the whole idea of Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, Spirit of the, uh, Christ, uh, Spirit of the Father, those are all used in, in conjunction with some of those kind of experiences. Okay. This was around the same time. Um, there was I had a roommate. I had moved into this um, community that was part of this church that I just joined. And there was a guy that I was living with. He was my roommate. He had a stomach problem. He wasn't feeling good. And he said, why don't you pray for me? I was like, okay. I didn't know what to do, so I prayed that he'd be healed in Jesus' name. And then he gets up and runs to the bathroom. I'm like, uh, what did I do? And he threw up. And then he came back and he goes, man, I feel a lot better. <laughs> there you go. Again, one of the newbies, like, I had no idea Absolutely. what I was doing. Yeah. To me, that was the Holy Spirit doing something there. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Anybody on Zoom? You guys got a story or a question or a thought or anything? Yeah, I was on Zoom last week, and I know it takes a little effort to include you guys. Okay, Amy. All right, Amy first, and then Dave, or Dave, Dave first, and then Amy. Amy can go first. Okay. Our internet is pretty slow tonight, so tell me if it's terribly laggy. Um, but one of the, um, okay, perfect. One of the memories that I have the most of just the Holy Spirit interacting with me was I was um, working at the college that I had attended, and I was driving to work one day, and I was a little late, unfortunately, which tends to be my habit. Um, but I drove by a car that was on the side of the road, and I could see that there were still people in it. Uh, but it was raining and I wasn't, I mean, I'm no mechanic. I can't, I can call a number for you. That's all I'm going to do. And I thought to myself, you know, somebody else will stop and help them. Um, and I literally felt on my shoulder, a push forward. Like I came up forward in my seat closer to the steering wheel as it was this nudge and the, my mind said, no, it, it's you, you're going to stop and you're going to help them. Um, and that was the first time that it was really like physical. There was a, a motion or an interaction in a physical sense. So you did help them? I did help them. That's very cool. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dave? So I, was, uh, I was working in a kitchen and a friend of mine, and I saw a friend of mine, uh, he was sitting there eating and I walked up behind, I had been, Studying that morning, uh, Jeremiah chapter 18, just looking at it, just reading it. And I was camped on the fourth verse. The vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hands of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel. And that seemed good to the potter to make it. And T.D. Jakes had preached on that. And so I was, I was thinking about that scripture. And so I saw my friend sitting there and I felt compelled to walk over to him and say something in his ear. And I said to him, arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear the word of the Lord, hear the word of the Lord. Now I had never memorized that. I just read over it like a dozen times, but I'd never that never stuck in my head. And and so I said that to him and I walked away. A couple of days later, he came up to me and he said, Man, I'm so glad you told me what you told me. And then he went through the sequence of events. He had sat down at the table, he was praying over his food. Somebody comes up behind him, says, go down to the potter's house, and there will cause you to hear the word of the Lord. He left, went back to his house, because that morning he had been praying that the Lord would speak to him. And so he went back to his house and started praying. And the Lord, when he got back to his house, the Lord started speaking to him about his situation and how it was going to turn out. That I want us to be reminded of about the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's not just there to bail us out. He's not just there. He is there for that. But, but, but this idea, uh, freshly rereading the book of Acts, I was reading it in David Bentley Hart, so it had a, uh, some fresh words and stuff in it. Created a few issues too. I'll have to get to when we study about it. But one of the things that, that was real fresh to me, kind of like that, David, is when Paul went back and they stayed in Philip's house and he had these, or no, Simon's house, and he had these daughters that were prophesying. And then another guy came in and Agabus eventually prophesied and said, hey, they're going to arrest you when you go to Jerusalem. In other words, it was real time stuff. And that was all based on previously. It's literally the scripture saying the Holy Spirit said 
to the elders at Antioch, send out Barnabas and Paul for this mission. He said, you know, so there's a commission to go. And then in that same journey, Paul was going to go to here and it said the Holy Spirit forbade him. And Paul was going to go here and he said, no, don't do that. And so it's interesting, that kind of individual depth. Hang on just a second, Paul. Tim? Yeah, just one uh, clarification question. I know that the Holy Spirit is a gift, and it's a gift given to us if we receive Jesus. But that's the preemptive, right? We, I, I don't know. We're not, I'm not exegeting right yeah, now. Yeah, and the one, the one scripture I read, it looks like you... Even, I won't even let elders make me exegete tonight. I'm just, we will look into it, and I will write the question down. Yeah, okay. But some experiences that I'll share with you. When I received uh, salvation, I was prayed for, and I received the Lord. And they also asked me, would you like to receive the power of the Holy Spirit in mm-hmm. your life? And I said, yes. And I started praying in the Spirit. And I know this isn't physically possible for me, who's not double-jointed, but I folded back on my legs when I was praying in the Spirit. Wow. Wow. And just literally folded right back on my heels. Another experience that I had, and of course this was praying in tongues, and I was told if you want evidence, of course, of pray, you know, receiving the Holy Spirit, you'll have evidence by praying in the tongues. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was praying in tongues in one of our old churches there, and uh, I was going around and I was praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, and then this gentleman approached me after I had been praying, and he said, oh, I didn't know you knew Spanish. And I said, I don't know Spanish at all, you know, and he said, well, you were, we weren't speaking in the Mexican style Spanish. You were speaking Castilian Spanish. Oh, cool. But he said, I understood it. And he said, you were praying for an orphanage in Mexico and a hospital in South America. Wow. And I said, wow. And I thought that was good. And one other experience, I woke up and the spirit woke me up and the, and the spirit revealed to me, you're going to get a call. It involves your two sons and it's a serious issue. And you need to be prepared. So start praying. And I was praying in the spirit. I got the call within probably 15 minutes. And it was a serious situation, which I was able to go to intervene and stop it from happening. Great, great. So help, you know, help. He's a helper. I mean, what forms do help take when, when you have the unlimited resources that the Holy Spirit seems to have? Paul? and coming out of you know 15 years where uh drugs alcohol lifestyle and i was attending a church on wednesday nights and i always sit in the back because i was really skeptical of all of it but about being there and one night the there in a certain spirit of god fell i didn't understand what was going on but i felt the most perfect love what I call like a low electrical voltage flowing through me. And I never felt, I mean, I'd done it driving the planet, but I never felt anything like it. And at the time, I was so cynical, I immediately started looking for the ductwork because I thought we were pumping like nitrous. It's a system to like, to induce this in people. And then, and then the Pastor's wife got up and she said, Now, oh, if you don't understand what's going on, this is the Spirit of God manifesting. We're just going to ask you about the Spirit here. We're going to just sit here for a while and rest with this. If you need to go, go. But if you'd like to stay, stay. And I remember thinking, Oh my God, 
other stores when I went, I even sat here and I sat there for like a half hour. And so then it was the most extraordinary experience. It just it was my first encounter with the spirit loving, you know, and of course having the addictive personality. I do then I just would, you know, from that point on, I was there all the time trying to sort out what it was. And since then I had, you know, hundreds and hundreds of experiences. Miracles, translations, everything. Now for me, I'm kind of back to that in the Holy Spirit where I was, you know, as that really cynical guy sitting in the back of the church in the 80s. I kind of come full circle to this place of Trinitarian communion and the whole is doing really just such a precious. Minister. His presence is, is really sweet and really powerful, and it's really practical, too. I mean, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yes, sir. So with the badge signal, we use the Holy Spirit for the gift of interpretation. For yes, we could. Yeah. Yes, we had to. Um, Maybe we can look up the donkey talking to Balaam. Okay. To see whether the donkey was somehow enabled to speak by the Holy Spirit. And if that's the case, then perhaps, sorry, Tim, perhaps it may be possible to have the Holy Spirit before you. Let's say a donkey's not believing in Jesus. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're not exegeting tonight. <laughs> No, seriously, the reason this, I, I don't want to stand here and just tell you what I think's right. The truth is, I, there are some things I think are right, and there are some things I don't know. But generally speaking, when I was starting to think about this, and I was fielding questions with people and, and, and thinking, and when I was doing some reading on my own, I go, there is a lot of stuff that we just don't have permission to even ask a question about because we already assume we know what's going on. And this is a huge topic. I don't want to miss what the Holy Spirit wants to do. I don't want to miss how the Father wants to use His Spirit. I don't want to miss how Jesus wants to use His Spirit just because I'm carrying baggage from the past or I've got something to defend before I even think about it. So, uh, I had one of the same uh, uh, experiences that Tim did. As I, was in a, well, I was on a mission trip in, in uh, Mexico and we were gathering and worshiping with, our, with the uh, Spanish brothers and sisters and then our group. And I just t started singing out in my heavenly language. And afterwards, one of the people said, wow, yeah, I didn't know you knew Spanish. And I said, well, I don't know Spanish. And they told me what I was doing, praising God and so forth and so on. And so it... That's cool. It, yeah, it was cool. But it, it was just in my own personal prayer language. So I'm my, my one of my questions I've always had is because the Bible is talks about... Uh, during the day of Pentecost, mm -hmm. they all heard their own language. And I don't know if that means that they were spe actually speaking the language that they were, that these other people were in, or they were just entering into the, to the, to their, their prayer language and the, and it was interpreted that way. Yeah. In other words, did the Holy Spirit work on the speaking part or on the hearing part? Yeah. Yeah. And then I've, That's also, a good question. I've, I've also had people that ask me, well, 
uh, I, I'd say, do you want to do you want to have them? Or they say they say, well, I don't have that gift. Separating the the um, infilling of the Holy Spirit with with tongues, mm -hmm. and then the gifts of the Holy Spirit with interpretation and all that. Uh, so I think that's be a, uh, something else to look at. Yeah, we're definitely going to look at that. Definitely going to look at that. Because like I say, I come from a theological background where there was a, like, kind of like you mentioned, Tim, there was a definite expectation link put between tongues as evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's worth looking into that for sure. Well, for me, it can be as simple as Holy Spirit reminds me of things I forgot. Um, he'll give me an idea that I know didn't come from me. You know, just happened today. Mm -hmm. uh, so it could be that. Uh, what innocuous? I don't know if that's the word. But, you know, something that just mm -hmm. seems simple. And then I've also, and everything in between. You know, when you're you're prompted to, you have an impression and you share that with somebody. And like others have said, they'll just say, well, that was a timely word. I needed exactly that. And it's like, yeah, you're minding your own business, doing whatever. And it just drops in and you've got this person on your heart or mm -hmm. their name comes up and you go tell them what, you know, what, what he gave you. And then just cause it hadn't been mentioned yet. Um, but just the physical manifestation, I mean, overcome with joy and laughter that you just can't even contain that, yeah. that you know is beyond just laughing at a comedy it's just like beyond the natural um and then just experiencing him physically where it's like the heavy presence of god literally takes you off i mean from yeah. just lying down to just being knocked three rows back yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh so, yeah, yeah there's, there's, there's lots of ways he, there, he reveals. Yeah, and so a few weeks ago, him. I don't remember the question exactly, but I'll wrap it up with this. Thank you guys very much for the, for the thoughts and stuff. But uh, a few weeks ago, we were studying something about what God did. And it was uh, on Tuesdays when we raised the question. And, and I, I asked the question, so most of the time when we think about this particular thing, whatever it was, we we think, what does that mean about it? But we ask the question, what does it mean about God? If God did this. So if the Holy Spirit, in fact, is willing to say things and give you ideas and do things that are innocuous or that are awkward, you know, like falling on the ground laughing hysterically, that's somewhat of a socially awkward event to have happen, which is why a lot of people reject it as being something from the Holy Spirit. They go, oh, the Holy Spirit would never do that, or he's a polite, you know, blah, whatever. Anyhow, my point is, one of the questions that I have, I have started to understand doesn't get asked enough, is this thing that I'm considering, or this thing I think God is doing, or this way that God is being, what does that say about God? Not in a doctrinal sense, but about him or the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit's willing to do what he did in that kitchen, Dave, for a guy, what does that say about how he values people? What does it say about how he loved that one guy? What does that say about his willingness to not just speak it direct to the guy, but to include somebody else to be the part of that voice? 
What does it say about the Holy Spirit that he was willing to pour himself out on Cornelius before Peter finished what he was saying, but he didn't do it before Peter came to talk? Or the idea, you know, of the sequence of events. Um, so anyway, that, that's some of the stuff I want us to look at. So, yeah, one more. Yes. I just have to agree with what Paul was saying in his um, testimony earlier about being at a conference and feeling the the Holy Spirit, but being very cynical. Uh-huh. Um, because it actually struck I mean, I went to a conference when I was younger as well. And I thought, too, that they had a script that they must have to say to every young girl who came up there. They must have written this down. And it has to be this way. Um, And along the third person, I got so flabbergasted that I just flopped in the pew and said out loud, you know, what's up with this script? Aren't you tired of having them tell you this? And this little gray-haired old lady said, honey, that was for you. (laughs) <laughs> uh, okay cool well there's there's a lot of stuff that we're going to be able to study I don't know how long it'll go on but I'm really hoping that we uh, we, we can do this and uh, I'm also open to input that well I don't know Larry if this is a great way to go or whatever you're free to let me know but I do want to get in this there's going to be some serious topics and there'll be some decisions that may kind of be uh, pointed towards or something along those lines and, and uh, stuff that has to be answered. But I really appreciate you guys participating in the introduction. And uh, so, Father, open our hearts to your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.